Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. Gritty, gritty, grit. How are you at this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, you are feeling fan-freaking-tastic. And if you're not, that's okay. You've got the breath. So breathe in and breathe out. And just let that breath be one split second of a moment to bring calm into the body and to feel ease. And see if you can do that, you know, a few times a day, because that will help you move through the temporary nature of whatever is happening in your life that doesn't feel so great. Okay. Okay. So we are here today with Hafez and the gift. And I'm going to tell you all about this amazing workshop that I did over the weekend. Okay. This poem is called Sometimes I Say to a Poem. Sometimes I Say to a Poem. Not now. Can't you see I'm bathing? But the poem usually doesn't care and quips. Too bad, Hafez. No getting lazy. You promised God you would help out, and he just came up with this new rune. Oh, sorry, new tune. <laughs> Sometimes I say to a poem, I don't have the strength to wring out another drop of the sun. And the poem will often respond by climbing onto a barroom table, then lifts its skirt, winks, causing the whole sky to fall. (laughs) This poem, this poem, this poem. It's the poem about a poem, about writing a poem. And what I appreciate about this particular poem is that it reminds me of the creative process and how often we don't know what we're creating until we are completed with that process. You know, so for example, when I go to write a poem, sometimes I have an idea of what I want to put down on paper. Never a very crystal clear moment, but, you know, maybe there was a a phrase or a word that caught my attention and I was like, oh, let me just jot that down. Um, You know, I'm currently in a write a poem a day challenge with a few friends and, um, And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to write about? Ah." (laughs) But I said, you know, I'm going to put pens and paper and see what happens. So I do that. And often what happens is magic. I mean, for real, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll just write something. And often it'll just be like, ah, that's okay. And it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I write just garbage poems and I'm like, okay, I did it. I'm going to throw it in the garbage now. But um, a lot of the time, something unexpected happens and 
then I start to see things in a different way. My perspective shifts, things start to, to move and turn and tumble. And it's, it's really cool how it works. And often those first one or two stanzas, I, I call it warm-up stanzas, usually are just entry points into the poem where then I can just sort of cut it and, and then I get to the heart of the poem right away. Um, but sometimes we have to trick our, our conscious minds, our, our ego minds to say, oh, we're just kind of like wandering in. It's okay. And then that's when the subconscious takes over. It's like, ah, ha, I got you. But with Hafez's poem, it sounds like he's getting hit with inspiration all the time. So the point of exhaustion is like, oh, here we go again. God just keeps giving me poems. Like, can I just take a shower? <laughs> you know, but it is, you know, what it is. You just answer the call. Because what happens is that if you put off the call, we'll say, it'll keep coming back. It'll come back stronger and louder more frequently um, until you finally listen and answer and like, okay, I'll write the poem. And the poem is just an example. There are other ways in which we are called forward to take action um, until, you know, we can't stand it anymore. And then we actually finally take action. (laughs) So that poem I feel is a good reminder for us to continue to tap into our inner knowing, our inner voices and to say, hey, okay, what am I overlooking? What am I not seeing? What am I not hearing? You know, sometimes I get wrapped up in my own to-do, like I got to do this, got to do that, la, 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 into the, you know, wrapped up in the physical existence of doing, 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 that I forget to stop and listen to my being. How am I being? Who am I being? You know, I am... Um, started this little practice of setting a timer and I only set one timer so far. I think I mentioned this the last episode. Um, I set this one timer and the label is who am I being? So it forces me to, my, my phone will go off, the timer will pop up and then the label comes up, who am I being? And that causes me to stop and ask, okay, yeah, who am I being? Am I being the crazy mom who feels like she's got 500,000 things to do before two o'clock? Am I being the person who needs to write a poem? Am I being the person who just wants to go take a nap? You know? And so it, the answer doesn't have to be right. is not right or wrong. It's just a check-in. It's like, who are you being? Who are you being in this moment? And to um, really just bring awareness to the now moment. It's so easy to get caught up in the future or get hung up in the past, but to be able to catch ourselves and say, Hey, whoa, let me pause. Let me be in this now moment and see where I'm at. You know, Um, otherwise it feels like what is our purpose here? If we're not going to be present in the lives that we're living now, you know, our purpose is not to just check off a bunch of boxes and achieve and be this, thing, this career, like we're more than just a career. We're more than just, you know, a role. We are here to evolve and to learn from each other and to figure out the the purpose for our incarnation in this lifetime, you know, and that's, and that's, that can be done by checking in with yourself every once in a while. So I invite you to set a timer 
you know, for whenever you feel like you're caught up in things all the time, like maybe 12 o'clock noon, that might be fun to be like, oh, I'm in the middle of eating lunch or whatever. Oh, ding, 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 ding. And you're like, oh, let me look at my phone. Oh, look, it's reminding me and asking me who am I being today or right now in this moment. Um, and to choose a ringtone or an alarm tone that is inviting, you know, and don't, don't choose the, the harsh alarm clock. I mean, unless that, that floats your boat. But I have um, the sound of birds chirping and like some sort of ocean in the background, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, that is the poem for today. Hafez is asking us to continue to answer the call. Otherwise, our bodies, ourselves are just going to keep working too hard to answer or to resist that answer. Um, the last stanza, you know, the poem gets up on a barroom table and it's like, sort of, you know, flashing everybody and dancing. And then everyone just goes, ah, you know, falls over (laughs) and faints because the poem demands to be heard. And so I invite you to check in with yourself and see where you might be um, looking away from messages, where you might be not heeding the call and see if you can tune into that a little bit more. You don't necessarily have to take action, but to tune into it just a little bit more. Now, I want to share with you um, this experience that I had over the weekend. I uh, ran a workshop with Ronnie Haskins, who was a guest on my podcast some time ago, Um, a beautiful, beautiful spirit um, and love him so much. And we, uh, we created a, a workshop just for people of color. It's called free to move. And the reason we did this was because he was telling me he has friends who, um, you know, they don't understand what he's doing. Like, they're like, you went to yoga teacher training and did what? Like you teach yoga. What? Like, what is yoga? Who are you? You know? <laughs> and so he was like, you know, I'd really love for, for an opportunity for these, for these people in my life, these friends of mine who don't understand what yoga is, but I feel like once they knew they could not only relate to me a bit better, but understand like why it's so awesome, why it's so beautiful, why I do this practice. And so I was like, oh, well, that's a great um, reason to create a workshop because generally speaking in mainstream media, you see yoga as being marketed to white folks, you know, and I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but you know, a lot of it, it bears worth, it, it bears repeating. <laughs> Sometimes I can't talk straight, um, but yeah, it bears repeating where uh, a lot of the yoga clothes, a lot of the, just the, the marketing, the advertising, it all is message to white folks, usually thin white women, but um, for the most part, white folks, you know, so, so people of color don't necessarily see yoga as an option for them. And it's not always a conscious thing, you know, because advertising and marketing work on a very stealthy ninja way, like subliminally, you know, like subconscious way where we see, right, white people, but we don't see ourselves reflected into that. So we don't see that as an opportunity for us. Um, you know, for folks of color who come into the yoga communities, into practicing yoga and things like that, they, it feels like extraordinary circumstances. You know, it feels like, you know, I got into yoga because I was searching for something I was looking and I didn't know where else to go. Um, 
my relationship with the Catholic church was, was not cutting it. You know, like I, I had, uh, at the time a great, um, well, actually, no, not at the time. I didn't have a great community. <laughs> it comes in waves. Like sometimes I have a great community. Sometimes I don't. But I think at that time, I did not have a, a great support system around me. And it, it's not even specific to Catholic church, but just in general, I felt like I didn't have a really strong support system around me. I, I had moved to a new area and I was going through a lot of transitions. Um it was around my Saturn return. <laughs> and so I was looking for something to guide me, to give me other opportunities for connecting with this, this thing that I couldn't quite place my finger on. You know, I was like, what, what am I looking for? I'm looking for something, but I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm looking for my purpose, life's purpose, maybe a deeper meaning to life. You know, I, I don't know, but I hear yoga is great. So let me go do yoga and see what happens. Um, and when I said, let's go do yoga, I, you know, I heard rumors that yoga is great for spirituality, but my understanding of yoga was that it was more of a physical exercise, you know, like you go work out, you stretch and you can, you can be limber and, and stuff like that. And I was, for a brief stint, a gymnast when I was a kid, you know, I took gymnastics classes when I was in second and third grade, and I was very flexible, very limber. And I thought to myself, if I take yoga, then maybe I can get back to that flexibility. And that would be so awesome. I don't know what that has to do with, you know, my life's purpose, but let's just go and see. And, um, and I'll say my first yoga class, I did not like, and that, and that was, you know, just, not a good, that was not a good decision. I went to a yoga class at a gym and it was, oof, yeah, not, not cool. And it was in New York city. And it was like this fitness club that I was like, man, you know, a lot of white people there and what I just wanted to exercise. So I went and I ended up hurting myself because the instructor was not, um, was not a good one. We'll say for beginners. And that wasn't indicated on the schedule. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know any better. So I was like, no, yoga is not for me, Matt. And then um, I had another experience, a second experience with yoga where a, a housemate of mine was, was saying that yoga is like the best. She loves it. I should go. It'll be totally amazing and help me with graduate school. Cause I had just started my PhD at that time. And there's a lot of stress with that, of course. And so I was like, all right, I'll go to that class. And that just was like, again, full of white people. But um, I was like, all right, let me try it and see. And then I went and I didn't like it because it was the opposite of the first class where we didn't really do a whole lot of anything. It was just mostly meditation. And I kind of, I think I fell asleep and I was like, okay, this is not for me either. No. Uh -uh. So fast forward a few years and I went to um, yoga class uh, after having moved to a new, a new neighborhood, um, not having that support system that I just mentioned. So I was like, all right, let me just go to yoga and just try it again. We'll see. And fortunately for me, I got an amazing teacher and she incorporated the spiritual aspect of yoga with the physical practice. And so I was like, oh, this is what yoga is, you know, but again, it was at the local YMCA and lots of white people. And, um, and I was like, okay, but I'll just keep going because it feels good, you know, because that class felt good. The spiritual, like what she did wasn't anything, you know, complex or deep or, I mean, advanced. It was, I'm going to ring a bell. We're going to center on the sound. We're going to ground ourselves in the moment for now, like what's happening in the now. And then we'll move through the asana. And it was just great. And then she did a little like Shavasana stuff. Um, it was amazing. 
And so I think about my journey into yoga and how that is not a common occurrence for folks of color. You know, people of color, we see yoga, anything, and the, the thoughts that come in are like, but I'm not spiritual or, but I can't put my foot behind my head or I'm not that skinny, or I can't fit into a, a Lululemon pants. I can't even afford Lululemon pants, you know? And so it feels very foreign. It feels uninviting. It doesn't feel like that's for us. And I get it. I totally get it. And so when Ronnie came to me and said, Hey, you know, a lot of my, my friends don't, they don't know, you know, and I want to introduce them to that. And I said, yes, I want to introduce a whole lot of people of color to yoga. And how can we do that? So we created this workshop called free to move. And we just called it a movement workshop. We didn't want to call it yoga because it would, it, it, it feels like it carries some kind of stigma with it. We didn't want to call it meditation. We didn't want to call it anything. We just wanted to put out an invitation to people of color to come move their bodies and feel what it's like to actually get a taste of freedom. Because as people of color, our bodies are always held a certain way. When we are in mostly white spaces, we are on alert. And it's, it's so interesting because I've had conversations with white people about that and they don't believe me. And I'm like, and there you go. There you go. There is the systemic racism, the implicit bias that we are all trying to dismantle. And here you are oblivious. Um, I even <laughs> had this conversation with the person at the front desk the night of the workshop. You know, she's checking people in. And she was like, oh, you know, I saw that you guys were doing this workshop and I so wanted to take it. And then I said, oh, I'm not a person of color. Okay, I can't take it. And um, she didn't understand why we were doing it just for folks of color. And I was like, well, you know, and I, you know, sometimes I wonder why I try to explain um, because more often than not, white folks don't get it. They, they try, or at least they think they're trying to understand, but they just don't. And they, and, and subconsciously there's this refusal to understand. Um, so she's like, I said, you know, it's really important for, I wanted to create Ronnie and I want to create the space for just for people of color, because, you know, we're always on alert around white people. She's like, really, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to act a certain way. She's like, no, 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 you don't really not, not here, not here. You don't. And I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. And I said, well, yeah, she's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't see it because I take four classes a week when I'm here. And there's always like a person of color uh, or one or two in the, in the room. So yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, that, but that's not, that's not the same as a room full of people of color, only people of color, like the folks who come to those yoga classes, it takes a lot of effort to, um, to go do that, you know? Um, and it's funny because I was just thinking like how many of those folks of color in the classes that she's in, how many of them are Indian? Right. And I, and I, and I'm making this distinction because there are many Indians who grow up practicing yoga from the day that they're born, 
you know, and they go and they do their thing. I mean, yoga was born in India. So for um, Indians to come to a yoga studio, they might just be thinking, I want to go practice, you know, this thing that I've had in my life my whole time. And I don't, it doesn't matter to me if there are white people or not. This is my, this is my practice. You know, this is my yoga. This is yoga was born in India, you know, that kind of thing. And so, I mean, that's, that's what I suspect because I'm a little familiar with the clientele of this particular yoga studio. Um, But yeah, but she, this person, this woman kept insisting, like, I don't get it. You know, what, you know, what do you mean you're always on alert? And, and so at that point it wasn't in my best interest to invest that kind of emotional labor, because it was clear to me that she wasn't um, truly open to receiving information that was different from what she knew. So it's like, okay, I just kind of let it go. But in my head, I was thinking, this is why we need to create these spaces. This is why I'm creating this workshop called Freedom Move, because we want to create a space that feels safe enough for bodies of color to let down our guard to totally be loose and free, to complain if we wanted to, to say, I can't do this, to be like, you know, I don't know what yoga is. Is it for me? Like, whatever. So we did, we did the, we did the workshop and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And um, for a lot of them, it was their first time doing yoga you know, and again, it wasn't anything that had crossed their mind as something for them, as something for them to even do, to explore like, oh, yoga does that for you? Like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do. Try yoga. Really? That does that? Like what? Um, and so, yeah, so there was such beauty in, in this, in this evening of, of community and moving our bodies and chanting Om and just being still in meditation. Um, one, <laughs> there was one woman who so fantastic. She made a great comment while we we're moving through some very, you know, gentle and basic poses. Um, she made a comment about uh, some instructors call about, say something like there's some cue about zippering your legs, like really like trying to keep your legs together, you know, to try to keep them as tight as possible. And she's like, with my body shape, there's no way in heck I am zippering my legs. Of course she didn't say that. So I'll just say what she, she was no way in hell. <laughs> Sometimes I spend too much time around my kids that I, I censor my own language. So <laughs> And it's funny, but she goes, there's no way in hell with my thighs that I am zippering anything, you know? And the way she said it, it like brought so much laughter to the group because we all knew exactly what she was thinking, you know, what she was dealing with. And she was like, and I, and she also said, I'm so grateful for the space because I can say that here. I can't say that in a regular yoga class. They'll look at me like I'm, you know, weird or that I got to lose weight or whatever it is, but this is my body and this is who I am. And I was like, yes, girls preach, you know, it was so good. Um, and so that was just an example of how important it was, or it is still to create communities just for people of color, especially when it comes to moving the body, because our bodies are communicating with us. And when we are taught to keep our bodies still, to keep our bodies in check, to hold them in tight when we're in, in predominantly white spaces, because we have to watch what we say or how we say it. We don't want to be too like out there or too other or too different, right? We want to fit in. We want to be heard, you know, that kind of thing. 
our bodies are like, whoa, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We can't be holding like this, you know, all constricted and, and closed in and expect to function properly. We need to let go. We need to let loose. We need to be who we are. We can't be like suck in your gut because you're supposed to be skinny when probably genetically your people were not, you know? <laughs> So, so important for us to create these spaces, right? And so I felt so much love, so much support. And everyone was just like, yes, yes, you know, this is, this is interesting. And I had one, I had one friend who came and, you know, she was like, I didn't know this was yoga. I just came because I'm Leslie Ann's friend and I came to support I love it. But when she, when she was doing it, she was like, oh my God, this is what my body is telling me. I, I now have this conversation with my body and I understand what it needs. And so now I have this information. What can I do with it? You know, maybe I'll try yoga a little bit more. Maybe I'll try meditation or whatever it is, or I can eat less sugar, or I can start to find ways to really alleviate the stress more effectively. You know, I mean, the answer isn't always yoga. When your body's talking to you, you can try all different kinds of ways to, to address what it's, what it's asking of you, but to ignore it is like across the board, not a good idea. You know, you could just exacerbate any illnesses you have, any chronic pains just get worse. Um, If you don't have chronic pains, that's when you start to show up to have chronic pains, when you keep ignoring the messages that your body's telling you, but how can you know what your body's telling you? If you're not listening, if you're too busy running around in your head, trying to check off the to-do list all the time, right? And so that's what this space, this freedom move community building, community gathering is all about. It's, it's making that space and that room and that time to say, hey, let's just breathe. Let's be still. Although we weren't still the whole time. <laughs> let's take a moment to really check in with ourselves to say, hey, body, how you doing? Are we doing too much? Is there anything that I'm holding in that needs to be expressed that I maybe don't want to hold in? I mean, I don't want to express. Yeah, there's there's stuff there that needs to be expressed, but I don't want to express it. And then the body says, well, if you don't express it, you're going to have some serious hip problems. So just saying, <laughs> you know, the body is a truth teller. The body is a truth teller. And so the the focus of this workshop was to open up those communication lines between you and me and the body because too it's too easy to check out it's too easy to numb ourselves out you know whether it's alcohol drugs or food you know i mean when we turn to food what are we doing we're trying to to look away from what our body's telling us we're like oh we'll just feed it sugar i mean i do this you know i'm not i'm not <laughs> immune to that you know, when, when things get tough, sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just have some chocolate. Like, oh, look, that donut looks really good. Oh, what about that bear claw? Hmm. Let's have some ice cream. I like that too. You know? And so sugar, 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 you know, and that's, that's a, a diversion tactic. We'll say it's like, let's distract the body from the actual messages it's telling me and then say, Hey, no, let's, let's have some sugar to make ourselves feel better. And so listening to the body is really key. And to check in, all right, what are my avoidance tactics? What are my numbing tactics? You know, and you can move the body gently so that its messages can come in gently. We did that at this workshop where we move slow. 
you know, we, we tuned into our breathing. We checked out where the breathing was going. We did some chanting of OM and got to feel the vibrational effect of chanting. I mean, mantra is powerful. We, we have mantra every day. You know, what are the messages that you're telling yourself in your mind? Mantra is not always like, I am light. I'm beautiful. Sometimes mantra is I suck. I'm not worthy. You know, mantra is just a word. Mantra doesn't inherently mean it's a positive thing. It doesn't inherently mean that you say a mantra that you'll find enlightenment. No, a mantra is just something that you repeat to yourself over and over and over again, that the vibration of what you're saying to yourself then gets programmed into the cells, into the body. And then, then the universe response to that. It's like, oh, that's, that's the signal you're sending out. Okay. I will accommodate because the universe is supportive, right? So if we start saying to ourselves, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. The universe is like, okay, coming right up, you know, and the universe doesn't distinguish between right and wrong. It's slowly, strictly objective. It says, this is your thoughts. This is your belief system. We're going I'm going to bring it to you and help support that for you. So if you keep saying I'm not worthy, then you're going to have situations in your life crop up that help reinforce that because the universe is supporting you and the mantra that you've given yourself. So what is the mantra that you're giving yourself now? I am love. I am light. Okay. So maybe then all these fantastic things full of light appear in your life. And so this workshop was an invitation to that as well, to start taking a look at the mantras that we tell ourselves, you know, so we experimented with OM and how that felt. Now, are there mantras similar to that, that we can create to keep that vibration, that like fuzzy, like high vibe feeling in us? There are. So what are yours? Um, And then we move through some slow yoga poses, you know, gently easing into like some twists and some, you know, openings and things like that. And it just felt good for everyone to allow themselves to explore, to say, Hey, what can my body do? Can my body do this? No, Hmm, but my body can do it on this side. So what is that? What message do I need to have? Maybe I don't lean on my right arm so much when I'm at a computer, for example, for example, or maybe, you know, according to um, some breathwork training I did with David Elliott, he says that, um, the right side is an indication of your relationship with your maternal side, your mother, and the left side is towards your father. And so if you're leaning on the right, or if the right feels a little like wonky, maybe it's not definitive, but it's a, an invitation to explore that perhaps there is a message from your body to you about your relationship with your mother or your maternal side, your maternal lineage could be your ancestors as well, right? So to, to look into that, be like, okay, what other messages are there? right? So we're getting into some other um, levels of communication. It's not just in the here and now, but it could be generational, could be ancestral through time and space. It's really cool stuff. Um, But the point being that this was the starting point for a lot of folks that came to that workshop. Uh, It was a new awareness. And I will say there was one woman who was overwhelmed by emotion because it had been so long since she had been around her people. You know, she lives in a town that's predominantly white and she was, she was sharing that, um, you know, some of the, she's Latina and some of the Latinas in in the area, 
didn't want to connect for whatever reason, didn't want to get together. And so she's, she's been lonely, you know? And when she came to this, this group, this community, she just felt so much love. She felt seen and it was so powerful that she was just overcome with emotion that she started crying. And, and I thought it was beautiful for me to witness because she was able to release up, release out some pent up stuff that she had been carrying with her. Um, and I feel, and I sense that she is, has now like started this journey towards seeking, you know, she's always been looking for something and hasn't been able to find it, but I think this might've opened something up for her. Um, but to be around community is, was crucial for that because that, that moment, that sort of cracking open of the pent up stuff, what wouldn't have happened had she not been in that community because she's been carrying this stuff around for a long time, you know, and if she could have done it in the community full of white people, it would have already happened, but it hasn't because she had that safety of being in community with us, fellow Brown folks, black folks, you know, people of color. She felt like she could let her guard down a little bit. And so I'm just excited to see what unfolds for her as a result of this. And then just excited to, to do this again. So there was one woman who was in the group and she said, when are we doing this again? I'm already signed up. <laughs> this is amazing. And I was like, oh, we haven't put on the calendar. She's like, I don't care. Whatever it's happening, I'm there, you know? And then another woman said, I'm going to bring all my aunties, you know? <laughs> so it sounds like it's going to be, we're going to do it again for sure. Late January, early February, but it sounds like it's going to be so much fun. And I look, I really look forward to it um, because holding space for folks to actually feel held and safe and secure so that they can let their guard down. They can peel away the layers of conditioning, the layers of like, oh my God, I have to act a certain way because I'm in the company of white people. You know, like my, my life's purpose is to spread love, right? To spread love far and wide, to expand the hearts of people. Cause my heart is so freaking wide. Like, and this is something that I've been told by um, two people on two different occasions who were channeling spirit. So I'm like, okay, that's my life purpose. I'm just like love unbounded and I'm going to spread it to everybody. Um, but it's also to help folks tap into their life's purpose, you know, to help create that space so they can sort of unravel all of the conditioning that has separated them from their inner knowing. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. And, um, and I hope you'll join me on that uh, for my local people. If you are local in New Jersey, you know, definitely come through because this, this community building is so, is so special and so exciting. Um, but if you are not, and you want to do something like this, let me know because I, I keep creating um, online communities as well. And um, those are also just as potent. So reach out to me with an email or a DM on social media, wherever you can find me. Um, It'd be really great to hear from you. All right, my friends. So whew, I feel so good. Yes, yes, yes. All right. To close our episode for today, which is chock full of such joy and goodness and community and possibility. So good. Um, I'm going to flip through and going to look at this poem by Matthew Olsman. It's called Nate Brown is looking for a moose shrouded in fog, dignified and reticent. A moose. When Ross White goes outside in Vermont, he sees one immediately. When Jamal May goes outside, he sees one as well. 
as if they are everywhere. But when Nate Brown goes outside, he sees only the absence of a moose. Spaces where one might have stood but no longer stands. He's been hoping to see one for years, so he practices his moose call and nothing happens. He stands on tiptoe, on one leg, narrows his eyes. Nothing happens. What he has now is a mission, a quest, a calling that can't be denied. It's dusk and he stares into the dark. The world is full of dogwoods and elm trees and behind the branches, 10,000 more, all leafy and stupid and yielding no answers. What do I mean? I mean, despite everything, we might search for something and never find it. When I was a teenager, several of my friends suddenly found God. I tried, but found only pocket lint and angst. The loser of some holy scavenger hunt, the last to cross the finish line, kneeling in church, whispering to heaven, dude, where are you? What made it worse was everyone's conviction, the candles and prayer groups, their smugness of their repeating. Well, you know, if you look behind you and see only one set of footprints. What makes Nate Brown's quest equally different is how our friend at Chip Cheek leans back in his chair and says, oh man, out here they grow big as dinosaurs. And how Kellum Iyer's eyes fill with mist when she nods and says, yes, they're almost magical. And so a man goes back into the fields and tries not to move, goes out to the forest and tries not to move, goes down to the river and pretends he's part of that river. He is a stone, a branch, a fallen maple leaf. He is sort of patient and he'll see this thing or hold his breath forever. I think of myself as a teenager and how I'm no different now. At home, my wife has a numbness, a weakness that spreads through her body and no doctors can figure it out. When she sleeps, I'm afraid of everything and I pray into her hair like I'm young again on my knees in a church in search of an answer. Sometimes I go outside and the dark is so prodigious the way it remedies everything by covering everything. I like thinking of how my friend stares down the same darkness as if it will offer the index to some temporal secret. What we're looking for are miracles. Out there, there could be nothing. Or there could be antlers and hooves, lumbering mysteries. They plod across the quiet fields. Ooh. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let me tell you something. That poem, I mean, this is the oracle of poems, right? So, so fitting for what I just talked about as far as seeking, right? Oh my God, so much goodness. All right, I'll let you guys marinate on that one. (laughs) And I will close this episode as I always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.